The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelich. And together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Digging in the Dirt. It takes courage and integrity to walk an addiction recovery path. And if we persist, we will come to know ourselves as the spiritual beings we truly are. But first, we must trek through the wreckage of our past. In order to move into the light, we must face our shadow. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding a path through the shadow to the light. We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with the spiritual tools or principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to talk about moving from living in the shadows to a light, living with that lightness of being that I think we often experience through the principle or the power of having the courage to change. Yeah, when I think about that courage to change, you know, the, the spiritual principle that comes to mind is faith, right? I think courage, I don't know if it's the same thing or not, but it seems to me that in order for me to have courage, I need to have some kind of faith that it's going to work out okay. You know, it doesn't have to be a you know, I don't think it has to be like a religious faith or even a spiritual faith, because as uh, we have talked about before, I'm sure everyone's got faith in something, though we may not know what it is. And so we have more of an intentional faith uh, in the program. But my experience of what, you know, we're called living in the shadows, right? So we're in, in unity or in spiritual circles, we talk about doing your shadow work, right? right. Looking at those uh, pieces that are not uh, apparent, that are uh, blind spots 
Yeah, I've heard it called. Spots. Although one of my favorite affirmations is I have no blind spots that I am aware of. So I have that going for me. <laughs> but yeah, that's that we should laugh at that. That is laughable. But being just I'm I'm an introvert, right? So I'm a generally private person also as a uh, Enneagram five. We've talked about that. It all kind of goes hand in hand. And so when I think about just this idea of living in the shadows, which means you know, in a place where it's unclear outside what might be going on, um, p- part of the way I've been wired, now you might not know that today because I'm certainly willing to show up and talk and talk about all this stuff that, I, man, 15 years ago, you wouldn't get me talking about this even it privately, let alone in a public forum, you know, on this show or from the pulpit or whatever. But when I think about living in the shadows, what comes to mind is how I, I still am uh, to, you know, it hasn't changed completely, but in the past being a very private person and unwilling to sort of um, let anybody see what's going on. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, goodness. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this one. This is a big one. Uh, What I learned in early recovery, so I sort of had these uh, three major things converge around the same time in my life, which was getting sober, beginning uh, real therapy in earnest, and finding unity. Those all happened within a year of one another for me. So I was on this pretty intense journey. Well, I still am, actually. (laughs) hasn't really let up, come to think of it. But especially my first few years, just really starting to, um, I'm looking at our show called Digging in the Dirt. That's exactly what I was doing for the first few years of recovery, was really digging in the dirt. And um, what I learned was that I was a very shame-based person for whatever reason. And I'm talking about shame in a very, you know, psycho, pop psychology sort of psycho, you know, whatever. Um, I don't mean that I walked around ashamed all the time, but I learned that I had this deep shame um, that was, uh, it was basically internalized ideas of not being worthy, not being good enough, um, that type of thing early childhood stuff that I somehow internalized. And so the way it worked for me was I had so much shame around things that I couldn't look at them. In other words, my shame prevented me from even being able to look at my own behavior. And because it's not like my behavior was out that outrageous or anything. This is kind of an out of proportion shame that I just had this like free floating thing. And I, I learned about this um, through doing some really deep therapy work in early sobriety. But um, what, but that very shame prevented me from seeing the things. And so I believe that one of the main reasons I drank was to numb those feelings of shame because they're not, you know, it's like, you know, I learned in therapy that like guilt is when you do something bad and you feel bad about it. Shame is when you just feel bad about yourself for no reason. It's just sort of there all the time. And that is an extremely, for anyone that, and a lot of us in recovery are shame-based, for anyone that's discovered them about 
it discovered that about yourself, you know that that's a very painful state of being. And I believe that's one of the main reasons why I drank. So I drank to numb those feelings of shame, but the very shame itself prevented me from having the courage to look at the shadow, to even look at my behavior because it was too painful. To, to look at myself and see that I had done something wrong was like obliterating to me. I couldn't do it because I had I didn't have the sense of self to be able to withstand looking at those things. If that makes sense, it does. And and you uh, said the phrase "digging in the dirt," and yeah. I I remember there's a Peter Gabriel song called "Digging in the Dirt" that I always appreciated because I feel like he must have been doing the same kind of inner work because he was really getting at that experience of looking at that which we uh, don't want to look at or sharing that which we might not want to share. So my other thought about living in the shadows, which of course I never would have described it that way at the time, but I I get it, I understand, is that uh, so not only was I a private person, and probably because I was a private person, I didn't really have the skills to share very well how I was feeling. Right. So not only did I was not inclined to do it, and maybe because I wasn't inclined to do it, I didn't develop a skill set around it. I I just it, it was it was almost like a double slammed closed door. I don't want to and I don't know how to. Actually, there's three doors. And if I ever do, it's too painful. So I go back to the yeah. this is why I don't do this. Yeah. This is why I don't want to do this because it's difficult and I feel exposed and stupid and then I feel bad afterward. And uh, that actually, you know, continued on well into sobriety. And it's, it's only been the last bunch of years that I think I've been able to do things like talk to you like this and talk to our listeners about this stuff and then not have this significant emotional um, backlash that mm-hmm. comes from it. It yeah. actually has nothing to do with what anyone else does. I mean, it can be worse. You know, like just picture if you're talking to a group of people. and So for you and I, we might be preaching or anyone with a group of friends and someone rolls their eyes. So it's like, you know, that like that little thing could really yeah. bother me for a long time. Yes. But I would also get this way even in this, I can't see anyone. I mean, you're not rolling their your eyes and and uh, I don't can't see our listeners. So even in the absence of feedback, I would still get really like this crushing sense yeah. of doom and depression or anxiety. Yeah. I don't even know what, just some nasty wad of not goodness. Yep. <laughs> but, but I, I get you know, it. But I'm learning the skills over time. That's where I'm going with this is that even as an adult, I had a difficult time with simply sharing what's going on with me. But I have managed to burn through it somehow or other, especially in the last five, six, seven years, I would say, Mm -hmm. especially in the last um, chunk of time. So living in the shadows, right, don't have the skills to share. And even when I do, I regret it. Yeah, this work, you know, so we're sort of alluding to talking about the fourth step today and which is the beginning of that sifting through the wreckage of our past and the beginning of looking at our shadow, our defects of characters, we call them in the program. And it really takes a lot of courage, really takes a lot of courage. Um, 
I, there's just something I want to share that was helpful to me. So as I'm looking at these things and, you know, it's like this yucky, yucky, yuckiness, nobody enjoys doing this work. You know, it's, we do it because we know we need to, and it's going to be good for us, but it's not like anybody goes, I'm going to do my fourth step today. That's going to be so fun. (laughs) It's hard work, you know? And so I used to listen to a lot of these, I used to commute about an hour to work and I used to listen to a lot of these, well, (laughs) showing my age, they were cassettes back then. I suppose now they have them in like MP3 files or something. But back in my day, they were cassette tapes of um, these speakers on the sort of national speaker circuit, you know, these big speakers that you'd hear at conventions and stuff. And one of them that had a profound effect on me, and I'm pretty sure her name was Peggy M. Uh, She talked about doing the fourth step and she talked about it like turning over stones you know when you turn over a stone and there's all these things underneath that you didn't know were there sort of living in the darkness grubs and like earwigs and weird stuff like that roly polies dirt dirt and um creepy crawly things and so she described a process where one day she shifted and she started to say these are my grubs these are my grubs And I don't know if that can make any sense to anyone, but it was a real shift from like, this is this yucky crap about me that I'm just so horrible and awful to like, this is me. This is my stuff, my good, my bad, my ugly, all of it. This is me. And I had a moment in doing the, uh, those middle steps, four, five, six, seven, whatever, where I had that shift too, um, where I went from feeling horrible about these things I was writing down to feeling like, well, this is me. This is all of me. This is my life experience. Some of it's pretty, some of it's not so pretty, but all of it makes up who I am. And it was just a real shift for me that gave me a lot more courage to be able to look at these things. Yeah. One of those things, and I realized the stuff I shared is sort of abstract. So let me like get down to it. Another thing, living in the shadows, I didn't want people to know how much I was actually drinking. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, it it was a would have been a horrifying amount to any healthy person, and yeah. I and I knew that um, I you know I knew enough to know I don't really want anyone to know how much I'm drinking. So that's another shadow. I yeah. mean, to get right to it. Yeah. Uh, a, a very concrete thing. So we've talked a lot here about this challenge of uh, living in the shadows and what that's like, but let's let's move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we always affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principles that we've found helpful in moving out of living in the shadows and moving into a more a lightness of being is quite simply a faith, a form of faith in what we are calling the courage to change. But what does this courage to change look like in real life? I know I always have to go from sort of reading inspirational words and books and phrases to practicality. So what how, what does that look like? How, how has it shown up in my life, I might ask, or how has it shown up in your life? So, Michelle, when you think about courage to change, what does that look like for you or what does that mean? 
Yeah, so the courage to change begins with the courage to look at the shadow, right? We can't change what we haven't looked at. So um, that was really, you know, the beginning was what I was describing previously, that gaining the courage to look at some of these things. Um, and that took a lot of work for me to get to that point. First of all, it took coming, it took the you know, the steps are in brilliant, ingenious order because it took the second step of me coming to believe in a higher power, a power greater than myself that loved me unconditionally and was always supporting me for my highest good. That was a prerequisite for me being able to have the courage to look at the things about myself that weren't so desirable. Yeah. Because I frankly did not have the self-esteem and the sense of self previously to have the courage to look at these things. It wasn't until I started to just barely begin to see myself as a being worthy of this unconditional love and feeling like I had this constant love and support of the higher power that I could finally start to look at some of these things without feeling completely obliterated by them. So that was really huge. And as my faith in the higher power and my my walk with God, so to speak, you know, deepened and strengthened, that went uh, right along, correlated exactly with my having more and more courage to look at things. And I don't know if this is going to bust anybody's bubble, but this is an ongoing process that I'm still <laughs> very much engaged in 25 years later. You know, I mean, I've uncovered some of the really big things it, my grubs, so to speak, just over the past two, three, four years. So it's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done. I'm sorry to say, but it's not. But the good news is that we don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. And, and another upside is if if I am actually willing to do the work, I can heal some of these things. Yes. And when something is healed, it tends, it doesn't come back or it comes back in a much, much lessened form. Yes. You know, it's like I've had the experience many times and I'm not going to be able to just pull a great example out of my head. But, you know, it, it took me, um, uh, you know, I drank for 30 years and it took me three years to learn how not to drink. And then three months through sort of the next cycle and then three weeks the next time it came up and then three days and then three hours, three yeah. minutes. And right now, honestly, it takes me less than three seconds. If the idea of drinking comes in my mind, I've got like Kung Fu around that. Now. <laughs> I have done this so many times for so long that that I can, I can, or Aikido would be better. I can wreck, I can see that for what it is. I can welcome it as exactly what it is. I don't resist it. I don't fight with it. I don't pretend it's not there. I say, oh, yeah, I know I know all about this. I know what this feels like. I'm uncomfortable with something. And when I'm uncomfortable, I maybe the idea of that having a drink would be a good idea. Maybe right. that would come to mind. How could it not? I mean, I did right. it forever. Yeah. I did that forever. Well, and our and culture so, does that. Yeah, that's right. It is sort of everywhere. That's how have, our have a good time, right? Yeah. All the apparently all the beautiful people get together and and have a glass of wine or yeah. beer or whatever on, on beach, somebody's yacht or something fabulous. like that, right? Right. They all look like athletes and models. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I've had to tell people like, don't forget that those people on television they are literally professional 
good-looking people. That yeah. is what they That's do for a living. They have a chef. They have a trainer right. that comes into their house. Yeah, we could all look a lot more like that, too, if that was yeah. our profession. Anyway, okay. don't get me started. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the upside is the more I do this work, the more quickly I can walk through the same kind of issue the next time it comes around. And and while it's true that our inner work is is never done, there's still, you know, great improvements around it. But as far as courage to change. I always go back to the acronym, how, like, how do we get sober? H O W honest, open-minded and willing. And in a few minutes, I'll talk a little bit more about those things, but that, that has served me well as a guide for what, what does courage to change look like to me? It looks like any one or two or three of those things in play at any given moment. Yeah, well, I'm going to latch on to willing, the willingness. And um, just to be completely honest, the willingness often comes to me when I'm in a whole heck of a lot of pain. You know, it's not like I wake up feeling good one day and say, oh, I think I'm going to delve into this miserable character defect of mine today just for kicks, you know? (laughs) I mean, when I've done it is when I've had to because that character defect was just working me over, you know, just making me miserable to where I was in enough pain that I was finally willing to do something about it. I remember a particular behavior just really kicking my booty for a long time and calling up my sponsor one day and just saying, okay, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to look at this because it's just killing me. You know, it's just killing me. So pain has always been a real motivator to me. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful when I can look at things sort of preemptively before I get to that point. But a lot of times it's the it's the pain I get in that is the motivator for me to look at some of the least fun, you know, the real the real digging way down deep in the dirt stuff, the real yucky grubs. Um, But that's the way that it works for me is that, um, you know, some of the some of the tougher things, you know, some of the things are easy to let go of. Right. Some of the smaller defects, we you know, we just sort of knock them out real quick. But those aren't the ones that are making us drink and making us miserable. You know, (laughs) they're not helpful, but those are not the ones. It's the really deep ones. And, um, you know, I've had to I've had to get to the point where, um, you know, it was just really I had to do something because I was just miserable. And that's when I got really willing. And it's a painful place to be. But it's a I think I said before, it's a state of grace. For me, it's a state of grace, because it's that willingness. It's like, okay, I frankly haven't got a better idea in my head right now. Like I cannot do this anymore. And then I become willing to do something different. And so willingness has been a huge, it doesn't come easy to me. um, But it's been a huge gift when it does come now sometimes like I say I can learn to not have to get in quite as much pain before I you know start to work on one of those things I wanted to mention I'm always putting a plug in for books that have been very help unity books that have been really helpful for me and one that has really helped me with this shadow stuff is the eye of the storm and so if you're working through this kind of stuff I highly recommend it I've only found it in the last few years myself Um, but to me, it just goes right along with this looking at the shadow stuff and really gives a different perspective on basically like to really put it in a really small nutshell. When something comes up, something somebody does that 
just makes me mad or just, you know, that character defect of mine is right there. My new way of seeing it that I learned from this book is this is the universe telling me that this is my next assignment. And that has really helped me tremendously. So instead of like, oh my God, this is so horrible. Why is this happening to me? Why am I in pain again? Why do I have to go through this? Why, why, why? I just go, okay, the universe is telling me I'm ready to heal this next piece. And that has really made a huge difference for me. And my own minister, uh, Vicki Elder, always says things come up to be healed. And that's helped me too. So if it's coming up, it's because it's ready to be healed. It's wanting to be healed. Yeah, I like that. And I, I agree. That's been my experience as well. And lately, I'm starting to get into uh, NVC, nonviolent communication, which is very much the same thing. It's about seeing what's going on underneath all of this. Mm-hmm. What, how, how do I feel? Where do I feel it? What, what is my emotion? Can I name it? And what's the what need inside me is not being met. Yes. And creating this upset. And that's yep. true with other people too. You know, what 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 need might they have that's not being met? And can I right. meet them at that level? Yeah. You know, so the you're I love that you're talking about willingness because that's where my head goes too, because it all requires that, I believe. Well, maybe all of them, but I've got to be willing and, and you shared a lot about willing to look at what's uncomfortable. Yeah. And absolutely and and in addition to that, I've noticed that the willingness just to keep showing up, you mm-hmm. know, to go to the next meeting, mm-hmm. uh, to be part of the community, to volunteer, to uh, make the coffee or buy the paper towels or whatever it is that you might be able to do to be a part of the community. Just willingness to, to show up, suit up and show up. <clears throat> and at first, maybe all that means and all it needs to mean is that I'm literally willing to show up. I'm not willing to talk. I'm not willing to, you know, yeah. show up early. I'm not willing to stay later. I'm not willing to volunteer. That's okay. That's you know, okay. in the beginning, just be willing to show up and yep. sit there and listen is enough. Yep. That's all I needed to do yep. at first. That All that other stuff will come in time. In time. Yeah. So just the willingness to, to show up and to share with others uh, what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, eventually. I've been inspired a great deal by people I've met in the rooms that I never would have met any other way. Right. And the ways that people have, the ways that people share things that just really illuminate it for me. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, wow, this, I get it. This works. Like what they said has helped me to see it. Absolutely. Oh, were you done? (laughs) I'm done. Amen. Thus endeth the lesson, preacher shuts up now. Yes, absolutely. That is such an awesome thing about the way this program works is we just suit up and show up and the magic happens, you know, and it just, as they say, seeps up through the chairs and, um, you know, as the days, you know, we, we string together days that become months that become years, we realize that it's just we're slowly learning a new way of being. And, you know, I just for years and years observed people that I... Um, that I admired people whose lives seemed to be working and I listened to the way they solved problems and how things worked for them. And that's how I learned. And then I related to whatever aspect of it I could relate to. And that's Absolutely. how I learned. Absolutely. But hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. So please stay with us.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellich. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment. But first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. You can message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first that digging around in the dirt, uncovering some of those shadow things, those defects of character, and then we moved into talking about the courage to change. So now we're going to talk about how the courage to change helped us to get out of that shadow into a new lightness of being. What comes to mind first, and this is kind of what we were saying, is that the the courage to admit some of these things to myself was critical because if I couldn't even, if I wasn't even willing to acknowledge it in my own self, let alone, you know, let it be known or, or talk to someone else about it. Um, but just, I, I have had the experience many times of, of when I am willing to just acknowledge something within myself, even privately. I mean, maybe it, has some prayer has something to do with it maybe it doesn't maybe it's just a realization like oh right yeah i really i probably should take a look at that i see it now i'm willing to acknowledge to myself that i see it that just from that alone i you know it's like a a weight has been lifted that that's a theme for me i'm probably going to say that a lot because throughout this whole process it really does feel like a burden that I've been carrying, I have been able to set down yeah. and that, you know, there's a, there's this saying, drop the rock. There's even a book drop I think called rock. drop the rock about fourth and fifth step. Um, uh-huh. it, it, and this image of just like, it's almost like I'm walking around life with a backpack full of rocks and I don't notice how heavy yes. it is cause I'm used to it. But as soon as I start dropping some of those by the side of the road, all of a sudden life really starts to feel different. And this kind of what we're calling a lightness of being, you know, this, this more of like an embodied spiritual way, if you will, of showing, showing up in the world that, um, that phrase, a lightness of being really speaks to, uh, for Mm -hmm. me, that starts to happen. You know, even if, even if I'm only acknowledging it within my own self. And then of course, uh, when I become willing to share it with another trusted advisor, when I'm willing to um, acknowledge that it's part of my recovery and I'm say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to look at it. I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to have it be healed. You know, it, it just, things continue to get lighter. Now that's yeah. not to say it's not hard work. We have acknowledged oh, that this is not um, always pleasant and fun and all of that. But the upside is so huge. There's such an incredible upside to it that, um, you know, any of this kind of work that I've done has totally been worth it. And and it helps me to be willing to look at the next piece. You know, it is like it's like a muscle in that the more that we do this um, 
shadow work, if you will, fourth mm -hmm. step, fifth step. The more that we do that kind of thing, we get a little bit better at it. It gets a little bit easier than it was. It's still never fun because whatever it is that's, like you said, that's your lesson. If something's bothering me, then the universe is in a sense saying, this is your next lesson. Yep. That's never a fun thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, once I've done it a handful of times, then at least the process is more familiar. So it's yeah. a little more, I don't know. I, I could never say it's never easy, but it gets little less uncomfortable somehow or other. Yeah. I'm not sure how exactly that is. Yeah, I agree. And it does continue to take courage. Boy, it just can't be underestimated what courage is required for this work. And any of you listening that are engaged in this work, you know, are being extremely courageous. This is not for the faint of heart, but it is for those of us that really want to heal deeply and don't want to live our whole lives with that albatross around our neck, you know, don't want to be carrying that weight forever. And frankly, for those of us that were addicted to actual substances don't want to go back to using right and we know that this is the way you know that these these shadow things that were giving us so much trouble they will take us back out again um, at the very least they will not allow us to live our lives happy joyous and free which is what I want and I assume many of you want that as well so it takes courage. Um, you alluded a little bit to the process of how we, you know, we, we bring these things up, we make our inventory and then so that the first, the first step is like sharing it with ourselves, right? Just admitting it to ourselves. And then the next is admitting it to God. And then the biggest piece is sharing it with another human being. Mm. And, um, I know we're getting a little head in the steps, but it just, uh, I have to say that that, it's just such a has been such a healing process for me. Um, the couple of people that I have shared, you know, it's not the little things that you don't care. You know, you share these things like it's no big. It's the really deep stuff that you really don't want to freaking share with anyone. You know, mm -hmm. for me, it wasn't stuff like oh, I killed someone. It wasn't anything like that. It was just <laughs> really deep. That would feelings. be easy. Yeah. Or like admitting to someone that deep down inside, I have these feelings of not being worthy, of not being good enough, of not mattering and, and letting someone see my pain. Oh Lord. But the, the few times that I've had those really deep experiences, um, so healing, so incredibly healing. Um, and the importance of choosing really carefully who we share these things with, because, some of them are really delicate things, you know, and fortunately I've chosen wisely and been extremely blessed by a number of folks who have been willing to witness uh, what to me was totally unacceptable about myself and have them love me and accept me anyway. We're, that was just an extremely healing process. So it takes courage and this stuff is not easy, but the wonderful thing about doing shadow work is that you know, and I don't know a lot about Jungian psychology or anything like that, but um, I do sort of understand that things that have been repressed, that we've deemed unacceptable about ourselves, we've pushed down into the shadow. And when they're down in the shadow, they're festering and they're, uh, they're pretty much running our lives in a lot of ways because they're hidden and we can't see them and they're, they're operating in our lives. Just by bringing them up into the light, the light of 
seeing them ourselves, the light of sharing them with God, and then the light of sharing them with another human being, that creates so much healing right there. That process of bringing things out of the shadow and bringing them into the light. Sometimes that's all that needs to be done. And that's where the healing takes place because you've, you've, you've taken it out of the shadow. So it's not this repressed thing that's running your life and wreaking havoc. It's now been exposed. And when it, you know, and this is, this sort of becomes a spiritual concept, right? You know, that the light drives out the darkness and, and what is brought into the, you know, the darkness when it's exposed to the light cannot exist anymore it can't the light illuminates all of it and so it's just such a healing healing process you know i heard it described in a way that i found very helpful so these these pieces you're talking about pieces of ourselves that yeah. we've buried uh and, my, and the, the person's talking about how we've buried these things but the problem is we've buried them alive right yes. they're not dead they're no. alive and then later i was able to connect that with the what I found to be a very wise saying that are my secrets run my life. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever these things are that I'm unaware of uh, are, is running my life. And yes. I won't see that until I'm really willing to do what we're saying, you know, take a look at them, have the courage to change. One thing I remember that I don't, I guess I felt like it was surprising or I wouldn't have thought, and this is another plug for community because I learned from hanging around with others who are also on a recovery journey that hearing other people share about their past and whatever their stuff is and, and hearing about them and seeing them have the courage to change has helped me a lot. And it's given me, you know, the, there, there was someone at, in my home group who was wonderful about always being sure to point out that if we were going to hear a speaker, to look for the points of identify and connection. Mm-hmm. Don't don't go with the, oh, I never did that. I never lived there. Oh, I never drank that. I never did that. Like right. trying to distance myself from their experience instead of that. Have the courage to identify with the things that I can say, oh, I know what that feels like. So maybe I never lived in that way or in that place or, you know, maybe that person's really rich or whatever. And I have no idea that's not me at all. There are lots of excuses I can have to say that that's not me at all. But rather than that, then have the courage to to look for items or little pieces of it that I can identify with rather than comparing. And by doing that, I'm making a connection with that person. And simply by making that connection, I feel a little bit lighter. You know, this is all about this I love that phrase lightness of being uh GK Chesterton GW GW Chesterton one of my favorite quotes is angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly mm. we can do that too we can yeah. fly if we can take ourselves lightly and have the courage to to change and to show up and and do the work um and move out of the shadows and, and into a a lightness of being yeah. We were talking in the break about um, our desire to get ourselves to an in-person meeting once COVID is over. And I was talking about how uh, 12-step programs for me has always been, and I've heard other people say this, you know, the greatest show on earth. And it's, you just, you know, they're not boring, right? Have you ever been to a 12-step meeting that was boring? Nope. <laughs> they're never boring. And the cool thing is that, you know, 
12-step meetings bring together people that would never find themselves in a room together discussing intimate things in any other setting and and the fact that people come from all different walks of life and um, all different experiences and that you can go somewhere else in the country or even in the world and you're going to have the same experience. There's this common humanity, right, that we see when we see somebody who doesn't look or talk or act anything like us and yet they're sharing our story or they're sharing some portion of our story. They're sharing something that we relate deeply to and it's a very human experience thing that you know we we experience that common humanity and we don't feel alone anymore you know we we feel like wow that person has that thing too that person feels like that too and that in itself is what's so healing about the group process because part of our i think for me at least part of my shame and miserable feeling was feeling not only feeling these things but feeling alone in them right so when i go to a meeting and someone shares that same feeling it's like okay i'm not alone this is the human condition i'm not so, because we always think we're so special right oh i'm completely different than all of you people what i have is totally unique has not even been named yet <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> And it's like, there's that humility that comes from like, okay, it's not that unique. It's not that different. Other people feel like that too. And it's humbling and it's connecting. And um, I think it's a big part of our healing. So that's just, and, and it's a great show at the same time. You know, what more do you want? You get it all. You get entertainment, you get healing, <laughs> You know, and when we're able to laugh at ourselves, too, that's the best part. I love people's sense of humor that you find in 12-step programs where people are sharing about these really painful things, but sometimes bringing a real humor to it. And some of those things have really helped me to be able to look at things that I otherwise would not have had the courage to look at because someone made a joke about it. You know, humor, for me at least, is extremely helpful when it comes to these matters. Um, and I, my my image that I've created of my God is a, a humorous God, a God with a wonderful sense of humor. And if I can sort of laugh sometimes and just go, oh my goodness, you know, it helps me, it eases it. And it, and it, you know, things go down easier with a dose of humor. I can look at my character defects. I can have more courage to bring these shadow things into the light if I sprinkle some humor on it. So that's really helpful for me. Yeah, and hearing someone else do that, it just I I'm remembering that feeling of like, oh, I can it makes it okay for me yes. to do it too. Yes. It's like, oh, I just saw someone do this thing that I just really have never had the skills or understanding about, but but now I feel like, oh, I could do it. Yeah. I could do it cuz I just saw them do it. You know, yeah. I've heard people talk about going to a 12-step meeting in a different country that's held in a language they did not speak yeah. and didn't understand a word that was said, but still came out of it with that same camaraderie, that feeling of some kind of healing happened. There's a connection yeah. there, yeah. even when they we don't even speak the language. I mean, that's I think amazing. that says a lot about the power of a of community, you know, of shared experience, which brings me to another courage, another way that courage or this, you know, power of faith showing up as courage. It's quite simply the courage to show up at another meeting. Yeah. Period. The end. You yeah. know, we have that saying, suit up and show up. That I, even if I don't understand how any of this works, even if I don't 
if even if I wish that I that none of this had anything to do with me, and believe me, I've been there. Even if I don't know where it's going, I don't feel like going. I don't want to talk to people. You can make a whole list of reasons. All I have to do is show up at the meeting. That's all I got to do. And then sit down. I don't have to talk. I don't have to volunteer for anything. Just show up. There's so much power in just, if if that's all the willingness I can muster, I don't even have to act happy, right? I could just show up (laughs) and feel grumpy and not talk to people you know, yeah. not ignore them, maybe wave high, but not start to get into how was your day and all that if I don't feel like it. Right. Uh, but just the act of showing up is, is, has, it carries so much more healing power than I ever realized until I became willing to do it. You know, once I started doing it, then I began to see, wow, this is really making a big difference. I'm not sure exactly why, but this is really helping a lot just and it just begins with showing up just showing up helps me to walk the world feeling a little bit lighter yeah yeah i was thinking one of the things that has contributed to me feeling a little lighter and and this might be obvious to some folks but somehow it wasn't to me i had to learn in in recovery that it was okay for me to make mistakes i mean that might sound like obvious to you, but it was not obvious to me. Somehow uh, I had this perfectionism that said that if I made a mistake, I was a horrible, awful person. And I couldn't, I couldn't allow myself to make mistakes, but of course being human, I did make mistakes. So when I did, I had to cover them over and hide them and try and, you know what I mean? Push it down even more into the shadow because I could not accept that I was not perfect or that I had made this error. It's kind of a grandiosity too, right? Like my stupid little error is such a big deal. But that was just the state of my sense of self and my self-esteem at that point was I could not make a mistake. And 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 people would say in the program, it's okay to make mistakes. We're all learning here. And I was like, huh? Like, I just believed them because they said it, and it took me a really long time to adopt that for my own belief, to be able to to accept that, that, yes, we can make mistakes. It's okay. Um, but that has been extremely healing for me, too, because if you can't make a mistake, then how can you change, you know? And so the being able to make a mistake, okay, I made a mistake. I'm, I'm learning. I'm going to do better with this thing. I'm going to work on this thing, you know, has just been so big for me. And um, it goes right along with our unity teachings, because in unity, we teach that life happens from the inside out, right? So what, what's going on inside me is what's going to manifest out there. So what I've learned is if I'm manifesting all this whatever stuff, you know, instead of being mad at all the stuff out there, all the people that are doing, well, okay, I still do get mad. Let's be serious. You know, <laughs> I'm not a saint, guys, really. But, you know, I, it, my first reaction is like, all these people are doing me wrong. Why do I have all these people in my life doing X, Y, and Z? Well, what I've learned and what that book, Eye of the Storm, really helped me to learn was, okay, what is it in me? Not that's making those people do those things, but that's making that show up for me. What needs to be changed in me? So I I work on the inner and then it changes the outer. Um, So that's really given me a lot of, you know, courage because 
if I can change those things inside me, I really do see it start to change on the outside pretty quickly. So it's really worth it. It doesn't do much good to be out there trying to change those people because that's not going to work, right? They're not going to change. Not work, no. But when I shift in myself, um, it just changes. The outer changes. And so it's both the good news and the bad news, you know, the quote unquote bad news is I've got to change myself. I've got to look at what is it in me that is calling this forth, that is manifesting this, that is creating this. Um, but the good news is that that gives me the power, the power to change. So, yeah. I like that. You know, I'm remembering this. It must be from a TV show, this this Rye, this character sharing Riley. You know, if you run into a jerk in the morning, you ran into a jerk. If you also run into a jerk at lunch, uh, maybe you're having an unlucky day. Uh, you keep you run into jerks all day long. That's you. <laughs> That's not them anymore. You know, you're over. You're over the line. Except yeah. they didn't say jerk. They used to the even better word than that. Yeah, yeah. So an, another, I'm remembering uh, another way that uh, courage was necessary to to help me take a step forward, and that was to have the courage to show up, well, to sign up and to be a part of my home group that took a, a meeting into the detox, uh, you know, floor of the local hospital, right? So this, you know, this was, I had been sober a little while. You don't do this in your first month. Uh, I don't think, at least not at my home group. I think you had to have at least six months. Um, but you can sign up and be one of the people that takes a meeting into the detox ward. And, and I had, I have that experience. I have been on a lock in detox. That's how bad things got for me. And so just the courage to show up in there and to be on the, literally like on the other side of the desk, because that's where I picked up my white chip was in a detox. And so now I get to be the one of the people that goes in and the format wasn't like a regular meeting. The format was, you know, each of us, there'd be two of us, each of us would just share maybe five minutes, you know, roughly what our story is, like what's my deal. And I would talk about alcohol and all of that. And then um, they would share and then we'd ask anybody if they wanted a white chip and we would move from there. So having the courage to show up in that way, I found to be very helpful. But we have said a whole lot about this topic, and so let us step way back, if possible, if we can, and see if we can find a simple way. I should stop using that word, simple. Well, maybe it's simple but not easy to sum all this up. So in a nutshell, Michelle, if someone came to you and said, how can I get out of this quagmire of addiction and create a life worth living, you know, a life that's easier and less burdensome, how can I do that? What would you answer? Well, in addition to the, you know, kind of the uh, the general guidelines that we give folks, go to meetings, get a sponsor, <laughs> work the steps, and don't pick up. I mean, that that's kind of obvious. But, you know, I had a sponsor that when I used to have to do something scary or share at a meeting or whatever, and she would say, just put God in your pocket. And so that's what I would say is put God in your pocket. Because for me, it's always been about that partnership with God. Um, having a higher power now in my life that I didn't have prior, um, that gave me the courage to do this work. And so um, I can't underestimate how important that is, that relationship with the higher power, whatever that is in your current understanding, which will inevitably change. Um, that was 
the whole deal for me was the the constant love and support of an unconditional love and support of a, of the higher power is what enabled me to do any of this work. Um, so I would say put God in your pocket and be courageous. It's uh, it's not easy work, but it is necessary work and it's um, extremely worth it. And you can do it. If I did it, you yep. did it. They can, right. Anyone listening to us can do this work. We're not special. We don't have special skills. My answer to that would be how to get out of this quagmire and create a life worth living. First, just take a deep breath. All right, just yeah. take a breath and relax for just a minute. It's going to be okay if you're willing to follow what others who have walked this path are sharing with you. And so that was my first thing, and, and it, it very much in line with what you're talking about with higher power. You do not have to do this alone. Right. In fact, in my experience, I never could have done this alone. Mm -hmm. So find others who are on the same path. The easiest way to do that, uh, and what I did, was get you know, get involved, look for the local recovery community and just start showing up. You do not have to do this alone. And then when you show up, just be honest, open-minded and willing. H-O-W, how does this work? That's how. And if you're not willing now, hold on. Life will make you willing. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> you'll get there. Oh, well, it's that time in our show when we always offer you an affirmation. And our affirmation today is... With my higher power on board, I have the courage to change. Yes, with my higher power on board, I have the courage to change. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery. And we assume if you made it this far, maybe that's actually a true statement. We're <laughs> taking it as an affirmation. But we're grateful that you have, and we're grateful that you're here. And we hope you have found something in all of our bumbling today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you, each and every one, wherever you are on your own recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. And go ahead and leave us comments, giving us your thoughts and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we invite you to join us again next week, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.